Now it's recording. Hello. Hello. We did it. We did it. We're here. Oh. oh, so is it going to be the same Zoom link every time? No. Well, okay. I mean, it might be, but I don't know how to do that. Oh, it's easy. It's easy. And it's just like a reoccurring meeting that just, doesn't have a specific time. Yeah, ex yeah. Except, see, now this is the part of the show where we used to talk about how badly Skype sucks. Yeah. We can now talk about how badly Zoom sucks. So, yes, you can create a meeting, a meet anytime meeting. Um, the problem is good luck finding that. If you have any amount of recurring meetings or or scheduled meetings, because there's no way to search for meetings that you yeah. set up in Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, see that that's why. So I just make a new one. Yeah. Well, so what I do is I make a, a text expander shortcut. Ah. And then I have to not forget the text expander shortcut, which is like uh, <laughs> uh, I would pick something like. FST Zoom or Zoom FST. Zoom yeah. Or ZFST. Colon, semicolon, Zoom FST. I'm yes. a, I'm or a I heart Ben or yeah. yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> oh man. Um yeah, so, so, so real real time news. Yes. How long do you think the the published uh uh time to complete reviews would be the published declared by the journal? reviews would gen are generally complete within X amount of time would be for the Journal of Environmental Health. <laughs> okay. So you're, you're asking for what I think they, they, they publicly claim. Yes. Yeah. From submission to publication. Well, the sentence reads reviews are generally completed within blank. Okay. Um, I bet they say uh, four weeks. No, then they say, Six to nine, wait for it. Months. Wait for it. Months. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That you know what? That uh being through that system, that <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> that so what the, what the F, Ben? What the yeah. F? Hey, people are people are busy. They they're not doing I'm not, not busy. I'm I'm writing papers, I'm reviewing papers. Right, right. That's insane. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, I don't know. Oh, there's my fizzy water. Yeah, um, nice. Wait, hold uh, on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. That's my tea. <laughs> I got I got some soda stream. I got some I got a I got a coffee. I'm in my office. Um, your wait, your private office? I'm in my private office with, with your executive bathroom. Executive bathroom. Can you see your can you see your Corvette from the Yeah, window? I see the red I see the red Corvette. Um I see it's uh yeah, it, I, I see uh the ghost of Prince out there singing a little red Corvette. Oh nice. Uh, is he yeah. wearing a raspberry beret? <laughs> he is, he's wearing a raspberry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so, so I, I don't know what, what I would say. Oh, I'm in my office. I've got my, oh, I went to, I, there, there's a, a place that I stop at and get coffee now. That's, uh, oh yeah, yeah. it's called Cup of Joe. And, oh. uh, and it says uh, on my, on my little coffee thing, it says, don't forget your beans. Um, <laughs> Cup of Joe since 1991. And they, they make very good. They roast their own beans on site. And it's, um, it's a place for the first, um, I don't know, 11 years that I worked in this building, uh -huh. I never once went to. And now I go to it all the time. Like it was, I, I was searching for a close by coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And now I have one that's always been there since 1991. Is, is, is this the uh, Cup of Joe on uh, Hillsborough Street? It is. It is the Cup of Joe on Hillsborough Street. <laughs> Not to compromise your OPSEC, but we'll no. put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Um, uh, blueberry Fork. Uh, 
phone. <laughs> Where is, I just made that up. Um, so what's you, the name of that website? Uh, what three, what, what three, three words? words? Yeah. One, three words. One of the best blueberry. Let's see where this is. Except all cookies. Can I just throw in? Yeah. Oh, oh no. It's an app now. I oh, just no. want to go. I don't want, want an app. I just want a website. Yeah. Where's just, can I put it in frequently asked questions? Why, why, <laughs> why can't I just type it into your, to oh, your go, to oh, map. The, map. go to map. Yeah. yeah. Blueberry. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Yes. Uh, blueberry. Yep. Fork. Phone. Oops, got to get periods in. There. Oh, there it is. Look at that. It's uh, it's in Japan. It it's looks in Japan. Like. <laughs> yeah, it didn't compromise so, my opsec at all. Not at all. So uh, yeah. So anyway, so if you if you are if you have not joined the show, well, first of all, if this is as a as a friend of the show, uh, Merlin says, uh, I'm so sorry. This is your first show. Yeah. Um, uh, we Ben and I are talking about a wonderful website called WhatThreeWords.com. Uh, what the word three the number and words the word, um, where you can give people three words that will describe your location. Um, and and sometimes it's just fun to type in locations with three words to see what happens and uh yeah when you type blueberry fork phone apparently it's a location in uh japan it is not um the uh, cup of joe uh location where ben apparently went uh, uh past for many years speaking of places right. that you went past for many years and actually yes. this is apropos today um so, but, so again, just to not, not to compromise my OPSEC, but as listeners of the show will know, um, I recently moved to a house in uh, Milltown, um, uh, New Jersey, uh, w- uh, which didn't have a dishwasher and it now has a dishwasher. And so we have, so, so that's an update, um, but we also have a post office that is, uh, let's say, let's say right down the street from me. And uh, I used to go to that post office long before I lived in Milltown because it was actually a convenient post office when I was. Driving, oh. driving from my home uh, where I used to live in Freehold to my work in New Brunswick. And uh, so I know this post office. Walked to the post office this morning because I had to do a return on, on an item uh, because I bought the wrong size. And the post office is closed because you may remember when we had all that uh, Ida flooding. Oh, uh, it, flooded it post flooded, office. And the post office flooded. Uh, so it's open. I mean, it's open in that a, a post office lady went in, uh, but the sign on the door says closed. Uh, because of due to flooding, temporarily closed. And so I've oh. got to go to a different post office uh, later, which I can't walk to. And it makes me sad. Oh, I'm, that, that, that's unfortunate because <laughs> walking to the post office seems like a nice, lovely it's task. A nice, it's a nice thing yeah. to do. I used to do it at my old uh, uh, town until they closed that post office, which also still makes, still makes me sad. So, oh. yeah. Um, well, a real-time update, um, and this will not compromise my OPSEC because we've already mentioned it. Um, Cup of Joe is located at Sorry Pine Sailor. Sorry, Pine Sailor. I feel like so, I'm doing sorry, the... like the Canadian. Sorry, yeah, like correct. I'm sorry, like as we would say in this country. Sorry. sorry. Oh, that, I think that's a <laughs> that's a garment. That's a that's something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, Pine Sailor. I feel like I'm the, I'm, I'm doing a Karnak bit. Which I only know from uh, watching. Yes, you're holding, you're holding yeah. your your uh, the card to your forehead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What and and the answer is uh, what three words represents Cup of Joe's on Hillsborough Street? 
It's not nearly as funny as as when Johnny Carson would do it. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So anyway, I've got I, I've got my I got my coffee. I've got uh, I got some cup of Joe. Um, I I think I I'm, well. I mean, who cares about OPSEC at this point? Um, what I what I do now, Don, is I wake up very early. <laughs> Um, you're, wait, you're a department head. That's a in the well, you have to do that, right? Yeah, but that I you know, let me just share this with you. That's not why I wake up really early. Um oh, so, are you but, having an affair? No, well, I don't I don't think so. I'm not first of all, I'm not nearly organized enough. Um <laughs> oh, to, so sorry, sorry. I, very one very quick digression uh, because it's apropos what we're watching on TV. We're watching a show uh called The Secret. Uh, which is about an Irish uh, Baptist uh, uh, person uh, played by a famous Irish actor who we like very much, whose name I will figure out in a minute, um, who has, it's, and it's based on a real life story. He has an affair and it's, it's four episodes and we just are halfway through and it's, it, it's, it's a, no spoilers, but it's terrifying. Anyway, so. All right. Yeah, okay. I, don't rec- I don't recommend affairs based on the secret, no. uh, the, yeah. Irish, uh, the Irish <laughs> show starring that guy from that thing. It seems like a lot of work. That's all. It's a lot of work. Yes. Lot. I'm not. I'm not up. I'm not up for that um, exactly. whatsoever. Um, also, also, I I really love uh, my my wife. Yeah, exactly. Um, that too. Best wife you've ever had. Yes. Yes. Um, but so so I get up really early because I got a I have a, a child who goes to middle school and middle oh, school. Yes. We've talked about this, I yes. think, but but in context of covid where mm. last year he would wake up really early to go to quote air, air quote school <laughs> in his bed with his Chromebook. Uh-huh. yeah yeah now, yeah now he goes to real school not in his bed also with his chromebook um but i'm it's, guessing real school is harder to get to than fake school it, in your it's, bed it's further and it involves <laughs> everybody waking up and getting into a car uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's about a 20 minute drive, mm-hmm. which is not, we, we, and so I've, we're now a full month into this and, and I actually enjoy, it also corresponded with, with my department head responsibilities. Okay. So what, what I do is I get up, um, I, I immediately go upstairs to wake up said child who is terrible at waking up. He is not about anything in the morning. So, so we, your older child, this is my older child. The, my, my younger child is, is much better about waking up. Um, same, same with me, actually. Uh, same, 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 same situation. But I, mean, I, I don't know how they wake up these days because they're both <laughs> grown up young men and they don't live with me anymore. But right. when they were killed kids, same. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it's very, uh, I mean, people, uh, siblings and kids, they all have different uh, aptitudes and personalities. Am I right? Uh, who would have told who would have thought that before I had kids? I thought they would all be the same. Uh, but yeah, I got he, he uh, so, so so Jack does not enjoy getting up. So I, I need to wake him up with my phone. Well, and in the, the complicating part is the two of them share a room somewhat. I don't know if it's like it's it's by choice. I mean, they they certainly could both be in different rooms, um, but they like sharing a room. Huh. So I yeah. So so I go and I I wait. I you know, walk in with my phone and the light on my phone and I shine in his face and oh. I was like and I'm like Jack, get up and and uh oh seventy percent of the time he doesn't get it right up and I got to go back upstairs. But we're, we've, we, meaning me, have reached a level of frustration where I just won't play that game anymore. So I make him physically get out of his bed. 
And I feel that if he's out of his bed, he's unlikely to crawl back in it or fall asleep on the ground because he lives, he lives, he sleeps in a loft bed. Mm. So, so it's, it's not just like falling on a bed. Um, so that it, so anyway, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I get, I get him up. He gets out of bed. We get in the car. Um, we carpool with, uh, another, um, middle schooler in our neighborhood. And, and so we, we drive, um, anyway. So, wait, so, so the uh, carpooling, does that mean that you get to only have to drive half the time or how does it Well, work? so since in this, you know, I mean, yes, but I, I, I drive probably 93% of the time. Okay. Um, mainly because I'm, I'm up and I'm, I'm, you know, coming to campus. And so, and, and, um, and Jack's school is relatively close to campus. And right in the middle of where his school is and where my office is, is Cup of Joe. Um, uh-huh. So, so uh, sorry, Pine Sailor. Uh, and, um, but so, so I've used it as a way to, to really motivate me to come, come to my office. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. makes sense. So, so I, um, yeah, we, we carpool with, with someone else and, and I'm, I'm like, Hey, I'll drive them. And except on the very few days where I might have something that I can't or, right, 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 right. I, you know, and, and so, so that's our, um, that's our agreement and it's all working out. It's all working out and, well. And, so, and as long yeah. as you communicate in advance, yeah, you know, like when you know you have a conflict, it's all good. Everybody's happy. Right. Cool. Yeah. 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 And um, so, so I get up, I make, um, I, I go through, you know, I've, I've talked about my coffee approach and how it changed over last year, really thanks to, to our, you know, our, our friend Max, who had this whole like diatribe about how to make coffee. And I invested in a pour over the Chemex that knock off and grind my own, but at like 620 in the morning, I don't do that as much anymore. Yeah. So what I, what I have been doing, it's a mix of two things. Sometimes I'll use a, um, I will pre-grind my, my beans at night mm-hmm. and I'll make my lunch. I put it in the fridge. I grind my beans. I'm, I'm all ready. Like, like that's, I, I'm, I'm trying to throw this switch. That's not who I am, Don, or I should say that's not who I used to be. I used to be like, roll out of bed, rush, get everything, forget things all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, I've, I've tried to like flip a switch. So even if I know I need to, like today is a good example. I, I will be coaching hockey um, at an arena close to my office. So, so tonight, so last night I put all of my needs for hockey coaching in my car. Yeah. You, put the, you put the suitcase in front of the door. Put, my, put the suitcase in front of the door. I put it in the car. The hockey stick was in the car at 730 last night because I'm not forgetting my hockey stick. Right. Like I, I can't. It would be really right. bad. It's, well, it's really hard to play hockey without. It. I'm, I'm not right. a hockey expert, Ben, <laughs> but my guess is it's pretty difficult to play hockey without a stick. It's it is even, difficult. even if you're the goalie, especially if you're the goalie, you probably need the stick. But yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. You want you want that stick. It's part of the uh, it's part of the kit, as they say on uh, on Ted Lasso. Um, and so so I I famous, that famous show about the, hockey, the famous yeah. hockey show. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so I, I I'm I'm very much trying to plan things more than I did before because I now. Like I'm, I've cut, like I, I've, I've told Danny, I will get Jack up. I will, we, we will get in the car. We will be on time. No one will be screaming because we're late. 
Um, you know, all of that. How do you, um, how do you prom, how do you guarantee that? Well, I don't, I mean, I, it's my, it's my, I, it's aspirational. Okay. Yeah. And, and so it's like, cause it's not really under your control, whether your kid is screaming. I mean, true. Well, no, it's, to him. it's usually me. It's oh, you're the one screaming. Okay. Yeah. So that, that is, well, yeah, so, yeah you, prom- you promise not. It's like the other podcast. You promise not to scream. I do my best not to scream. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, so, so, but part of that is trying to be prepared the night before as much as I can. So, so I'm like, I can roll out of bed. I can go upstairs. I can wake him up. I can come downstairs, get dressed, get ready, grab all the things out of the fridge that I need to grab, make my coffee, be out the door. This is a, 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 a 26 to 30 minute process. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, you know, a month into it, we're, we're at, I, I would say a success rate at 90, 90 ish percent. There's been a couple of days where I've forgotten something or I've had to come back in, um, to, you know, to get my, my phone or, or whatever. Um, we, we've, we've forgotten a lunch one time. We've, you know, we've forgotten a bass guitar because, uh, Jack plays uh, guitar in, in his band class. And so he used to take, take his bass. Um, so, but this, so, so where, where I was going was, um, the, I I'm now like sometime pre-grinding my, my coffee, sometimes using an espresso, depending on what I kind of feel like the night before, but almost daily, I'm stopping at cup of Joe. That's the thread that I wanted to, yeah. to refollow here. And, and I've, I've enjoyed this. Like I found, I, I, we, you know, like you do when you go to a place, it's not every day, but it's, it's probably three out of the five days a week. I stop at cup of Joe. Um, there it, it's a, uh, an independently owned business. They, it smells really nice. They've got a, a like a good, I don't know, like the, you see the same people there at seven forty every morning. Um, and I, it's a thing now that I'm, that I'm doing. And I, what I'm missing is they, they don't have indoor seating available. They have some outdoor seating. Um, but I'd like to, at some point to get into the, Oh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take some time to have my iPad open, do some email while I'm here in this in situ uh, of a coffee shop. And I'm, I, I, so anyway. while, that's not while you're waiting for a coffee. That's no. like a deliberate part of your day. Like yes. I'm going to do work here now. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to experience the, the coffee shop community. And, um, and, and anyway, it's been, it, it's been great. They, they, they have, I don't know what it's called, but they have a cheap day, which on Wednesdays you get lattes that are really like, they're, they're less than $3 for a latte. How do you stay in business, Don, when you're making a latte for less than $3? I guess I it's, only, it's only once a week. Um, so, so anyway, yeah, I'm, I'll put a plug in. They don't, they're not sponsoring the show, but I, I've, I've enjoyed my, transition to cup of joe you and i have talked about starbucks uh i i do occasionally uh, stop at a, a starbucks as well which is kind of on the way um i'll get you the what three words for that um in a minute um but but it's you know i i i don't know like it's i i've 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 instituted a new routine in the morning and and i i'm in, i'm i'm leaning into it i've enjoyed it i don't you know it's all it's all going working out well and i and and i get situated in my office well before other people get here and i, I get into my day in a in a like i don't know it's it's certainly different than how i've operated over the last 18 months really it's certainly different how i've operated over the last 18 years um but it's it's good i'm enjoying it yeah 
Yeah, for 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 a long time, this is way back in the 1990s. Um, my goal used to, so this was and this is like really early days because because it was when Daryl Lund was still the department head uh, department chair in food science, uh, and he didn't last in that job very long before he became dean, and then he moved on to become dean at at Cornell. But um, I used to try to beat him into the office, and he had an advantage because he did live closer. But he was also a super morning person, and I'm not sure that I ever successfully beat him. But it did get me in the habit of getting into work early, which uh, I've now I've, I don't do that at all. I, I my coffee shop Ben is my back deck. Yes. <laughs> And uh, I just don't go into work. Occasionally, I try to walk to the post office. Uh, <laughs> when it's not flooded. <laughs> well, I always when it's not flooded. Um, and I, I still actually, the, the, uh, the mailbox uh, is still there. But I had to mail a package. And so I couldn't drop the package in the mailbox. I have mailed letters uh, since it was closed because of the flood. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so I, uh, and I'm not going into the office. Although if I need to, I'm very close. So, uh, and I go, I, sometimes I go in on the weekends. That's nice. That's, Pick up my mail, you know? Yeah, yeah. See, what, see what's happening. Yeah. Check um, on the lab. You know, check on the lab. Sure, make sure everything's good. Get some uh, refill, uh, refill your CO2. Uh, theoretically. <laughs> theoretically. I don't, I'm going to disavow any knowledge. Of right, 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 right. Without, yeah, yeah. I don't even um, know what that is. I don't, I don't know what that, that is we're even talking about. I, I don't know what that means. Um, uh, a real-time update. Um, the Starbucks that I sometimes stop at, Middle Sunset Animal. I just, it makes, what three words makes me laugh every time. Like this is, it's, it's, it's really funny that, that it's just these random words. So anyway, um, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. I, we, you mentioned, uh, th- that you're, um, you're, you're watching the, the secret, which is not the, um, multi-level marketing book, no. I think, um, no. which, which is unfortunate. Oh, cause which, which yeah. stars, uh, which stars, uh, James Nesbitt. Oh, James Nesbitt. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of. Let me yes. see if. Uh, so uh, we have been watching. He's a Northern Irish. Uh, I think I know this guy. He's he's in all, he's in a lot of those things. Yeah. Um, I might have seen him in Cold Feet. Oh yeah, I think I so. Think, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, so uh, anyway, um, the uh, we we've been rewatching um, Arrested Development. With, oh, uh-huh. with yeah, with with, uh, with my kid, which is it's not the most appropriate show for a thirteen year old, but don't mm-hmm. don't judge my parenting. Uh, mm-hmm. But we but I really I I really like it. It's very funny, um, and it uh, yeah. It, so it's on. I think it's on Netflix. I think that's where we're, where we're watching it. Um, but that's that's it. We're we're. I think I mentioned this last time. Um, we're in the uh, pre-hockey season viewing time frame, but it's the end of the baseball season. And my hometown baseball team, the Toronto Blue Jays, are um, uh, they're close to a playoff. Well, they're in a currently in a playoff position. So I'm, but but I'm watching a lot of baseball in the background. But baseball is something that we can watch while I'm watching Arrested Development. So that's that's kind of what's been happening. Is I've got an iPad watching baseball and watching other things. Um, on the on the television, um, I there's something else I was going to tell you about things that are happening in my that are that are not food safety. Oh oh, I, I mentioned back in an episode um, a while ago that uh, that is entitled "The Silent Killer." Uh, oh, is that about high blood pressure? <laughs> it was and I just want to report, Don. I'm in good health. 
100% bill of health, all the, all the labs, everything is, is good. So good. I'm so glad. Yeah. My, my, my doctor was, was very, I, I, I shared with you that I um, went, went and we, we talked a little bit about my, my vocal cord strain mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but, but I've, everything else is good. So I'm, I'm, yeah, so I'm good. I'm, I'm very happy to report because I did get a couple of our listeners reached out to me and, and expressed concern. So I wanted to let them know that everything is good. Good. Um, well, that's nice. Yes. Yeah. So what, uh, what what non is there are there other non food safety things that you wanted to talk about because I have a lot of food safety things. Oh that no, I want let's to talk get into today. it, man. As they say, let's get into it. All right, let's start with the thing that is really hard to share because it, I got it through Apple News, and so mm. um, please go uh, to your to our <laughs> our super secret text channel, which is really just a text chain between you and I, where I sent you a link to something in Apple news that has a picture, a beautiful picture of caramel apples, golden, delicious apples that have branches stuck in the blossom end of the apple. Um, well, you know what? I, I, I do have a little bit of, um, uh, a non, of, of uh, digression here. I'm going to use the amazing app called text sniper Ooh. to cut and paste that headline okay and then i'm going to search for that headline so i don't have to click on the apple news best link of, yeah. um, except that didn't really work best of luck i did the same thing oh damn and it didn't it didn't uh, help it's, it's from good housekeeping it's uh, women women's day or women's day women's, Sorry, day women's day yep so this is an article entitled and again we'll we'll link to the apple news link so if you don't have apple news we're sorry but take our take our word for it. the the heart The article um, is uh, it, it, I think it is a column called Sunday Fun Day with Lydia Backer. The headline is "Pick of the Season: Go Apple Picking with Lifestyle Blogger Lydia Backer and Her Adorable Family." Then whip up your own fall feast. And so, so I, I I'm a I am a Apple News app consumer. Um, I think I shared that we we talked about that on on previous episodes. Mm-hmm. It's it's I, I've got a in fact this is part of my wake up routine. Mm-hmm. I go I've I've got a ten minute buffer period from when my alarm goes off to when I get out of bed, and I go um, consecutively through email, Twitter, Facebook, very very briefly because I'm mostly off of Facebook and Apple News. And one of the things that came up in Apple News was a, a snapshot of these very lovely caramel apples with just branches stuck in them. And, and it, it was something that I um, put on my, on my note list. And uh, when I came to my office um, last week, one day, I thought this is, there's a food safety cringe here. Um, And and so I'll, I'll read this, the sub, I guess the caption to the, to the picture is use clean sticks to add rustic flair to caramel apples. Can I tell Don, can I tell you, use clean sticks did not exist in this when I first saw this. Oh, did you give them feedback? I, 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 I did, but I, nothing. I, so let's, we'll get to that in a second. Um, so there's just a picture of, of sticks and then it was caramel coated apples, active time, 20 minutes, total time, 30 minutes makes eight, get wooden lollipop or ice cream sticks or twigs. Eight medium apples, such as Grady Smith, Gala, or Macintosh. One 
14 ounce bag of caramels unwrapped. Here are the, it's a very, very quick recipe. Line a large baking sheet with nonstick foil, insert twig or stem end in each apple. In a medium saucepan, combine the caramels, two tablespoons of water, cook stirring on medium low until caramels are completely melted and smooth. Three, smooth spoon caramel over top of each apple, letting caramel drip down sides and spinning apple to help caramel spread. Then transfer to a prepared baking sheet. Repeat with remaining apples. Refrigerate until set 10 to 15 minutes. That's the that's the whole, the whole thing. So I saw this and it gave me a cringe and it yeah. and it gave me a, a cringe because for for a variety of reasons. Um, one was that um, first I saw this these branches and I just thought, why are we sticking branches into apples? Um, because it and adds rustic flair. It does. It adds rustic flair to caramel apples, and it makes for a really good picture. It's a good. Well, let's be fair. This is a horrible idea <clears throat> from a food safety perspective. It's a gorgeous picture. I mean, it is, yeah. It, you know, I would, I wouldn't recommend this, but it's a really, it's a just a very attractive picture. It's it's beautiful. And so, so I went on a, a little tweet thread and and said, you know, um, we've had outbreaks linked to this. In fact, we had an outbreak, um, and and again, it, it was linked to pre-packaged caramel apples, and and this it wasn't about the stick or the sticks, but 35 cases, um, uh, seven deaths, 34 hospitalizations linked to Listeria and, and some really fantastic work that came out of um, uh, our, our friends at Kathy Glass's uh, group and, and you know the food research um, group at University of Wisconsin-Madison. They published a paper on just the interface and uh, 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 between caramel apple or apple, any coated apple and the apple itself. Um, and, and the really the risks associated with holding those apples at room temperature. Um, and that led to this whole conference for food protection issue about making um, a, a caramel apples specifically um, a, non, a, a TCS food. And, and I, you know, I, I looked at this picture and I thought, could there be listeria on those, those sticks? Cause they're not those branches. They're not really intended for food use. And you're sticking them inside of a, a of an apple, injuring that apple, maybe changing the water activity. Certainly we know that there's a leaking of, of nutrients and moisture can get trapped in that interface and all around. I just thought it was a bad idea. So I, so I tagged them on this, um, you know, women's day, um, about it and, and, and Don lo and behold, use clean sticks to add rustic flair to caramel apples appeared as a caption. Um, so I don't, I'm not saying I did this or we well, did this. You, I might have, you, you called them out. And then and said, um, even clean sticks don't help. Um, and yeah. then they, so they added clean sticks. So, yeah, Oof. yeah, it's not yeah. good. Right? It's not. It's, it's not I mean, good. Yeah, but not a good look. Women's Day. No, it's it's not. Um, we we've been dabbling in the TikTok world and in, in the Safe Plates Food Safety uh, uh, Information Center, and so uh, Mary Avlak on on our team put together a TikTok on this that we'll link to in show notes as well. And people ask, for, like, it's really interesting. TikTok is, is all about engagement in a way 
that Twitter sometimes is and Facebook sometimes is, but it's, I don't know, it's it's different that what we're finding because we're getting in, in some of our, our videos, like tens of thousands of views and hundreds and hundreds of comments. And so a couple That's of insane. That's it is. an insane amount of engagement. It is, it is. Um, everyone should be on TikTok uh, if you want to communicate food safety related news to other people that are on TikTok because it's a lot of it's a lot of back and forth. So on this, two two comments popped out. One, which which I would like to we'll we'll revisit. We may revisit this. Well, we've we've dithered a lot on this, but um, we may revisit this in in a food in a upcoming um, risky or not. But someone asked about well, what about marshmallows? You know, am I looking at similar risks? Should I not be finding a branch and roasting marshmallows on a branch? And and I it, you know, so we've answered that in a way where it's it's like it's actually kind of different, right? Yeah, oh, 100 percent. Yeah. It, no, that's a that's a great uh risky or not topic. It is, it is, but it's a really like we're getting just like we've talked about in risky or not. I think people are trolling us a little bit, right? Wow. Like they're asking really good, really good questions. So so you know, anyway, um it's it, it's different and I, we won't leave this topic until we kind of answer it. It's because what I'm really concerned about in these caramel coated apples is not just the introduction potential of a pathogen from the stick. It's that there is time and the right environment for growth. So a little bit of a contamination issue becomes a problem if we're not refrigerating these, these apples, exactly, exactly. right? Like, and where a marshmallow, we're eating it right away. And right, right. It, it's being heated pretty, like I would say, again, th this is one where I can dither a little bit, depending on your marshmallow, um, preferences, your your heat, you may be getting even some risk reduction from heat as you melt and toast that 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 marshmallow. But the other thing that came up, which I thought was a really great response, this is where people are 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 just creative. You know, so someone someone said, well, what if I just so I want to do this, I want to make these rustic branch, you know, uh skewered apples. What if I baked the branches first? What if I heated them up in my oven with, and, and again, dry dry heat? From a listeria standpoint, I think that's probably going to reduce risk. It's not going to um, eliminate it. And if there was, happened to be salmonella on the branch, and, and, and to actually, let me go back, to some extent, um, listeria can be um, dried as well and survive in those low moisture foods. But I actually think that that might be reducing risk if that was something that you wanted wanted to do but well, the, but but let's come back to the outbreak right yes the, the outbreak the contamination wasn't from the sticks it was from the apples right 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 and so that is the issue the issue is listeria is not ubiquitous thank you every graduate student or anybody who ever writes that i will forever uh, uh request that you change that it is not ubiquitous but it is common in a food processing or food packing environment. And it's common on fresh produce. It's not unusual to find listeria and even listeria monocytogenes on fresh produce. We should just assume that it's there. And so anytime you do something like you jab a stick into something, you create an environment where it can grow. Right, right. So yeah, so this it's not about the sticks. It's about right. the listeria and the apples. Well, and, and then the time temperature situation. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. And, and room, room temperature storage for days. It's wor- yeah, it's yeah. worse. And re- but refrigeration with this pathogen doesn't eliminate it. It'll help. Right? It'll yeah. help. But again, yeah. but, who, yeah. but who, I don't think you, do you even refrigerate uh, well, apples? I mean- so yeah, that's, that's the thing, right? Like, I think that's part of the conversation that's missing here is that um, I think people do refrigerate it to set, but then you often will remove that caramel coated or candy coated apple from refrigeration and store it at, at room temperature. And, and we, this is one of those, like, this is one of those outbreaks that go, you know, going back to 2015, that if, if it, deconstructing it, it all makes sense. But before this outbreak, I don't know if we would have predicted that this is something that would have led to, this is like sizable, like seven deaths and 35 cases of Listeria is, is not, that's a, that's a big deal in our scale and in, in a foodborne illness, especially a foodborne, foodborne listeriosis um, uh, outbreak. But I don't think we would have looked at caramel or candy coated apples in the same way until this outbreak. And now I certainly will never look like look at them the same way right like i i will always look at this and think yeah maybe this isn't the greatest idea if you and and i think about okay ways that i could make a candy if i must make these products and i'll just full disclosure don i do not like candy coated apples or like caramel apples it's not it's not something i like but if i was to make these i would use popsicle sticks that are that, you know, that are new, right. That are, that are intended to be inserted into food. I would refrigerate them and I would try to use them within seven days. Like, I think those are the three steps that I, if, if someone must make these and two of the three steps that I just highlighted weren't like, they weren't talked about in the women's day article. And so I, I just think that that's the kind of thing that we as food safety professionals need to keep calling people out on is that you're, you're not, you're, you're not doing the things to control pathogens. And, and it's, it's a look, it's, it's not a likelihood that it's going to happen, but the consequence of it happening in this other situation was, that was a big deal. And certainly it probably had to do more with listeria being on the outside of the, the apple, but they created the right environment by sticking a stick in it and putting candy coating on it and then holding it room temperature to make it a real problem um, in that in that outbreak. So, yeah. So anyway, that, that that's where those were my my whole thoughts on this. I don't know. What do we what do we do about it, though? Like. To I don't, to fix it, fix Women's Day. Well, not I don't I don't think Women's Day needs fixing. I think okay. in general, the we have one example i get yeah let me let me be more specific when we know about these outbreaks happening we have to i feel like we have to feel empowered to address this and follow it follow up and and really push back when we see uh, unsafe things happening but but provide data as to why and 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 i so it's just like, it takes a lot and there's a lot of these things out there. So how do we, how do we, you know, you and I do this on the podcast, we, we do it on Twitter, but how do we get others to be involved into 
trying to address these words? How do we get someone at at Women's Day or other like publications to see that this might not be risk, this might be risky? How do we get more food safety people to call people on this kind of stuff? I don't that that's the 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 challenge that I that I think we have here. Yeah, well, I mean, short of uh, you know brokering, I mean the the. Yeah, so I mean, I think what you did was good. You called him out on Twitter. Uh, it sounds like calling him out on TikTok might also be really good for engagement. If I mean, if, yeah. if you're if you get based on what you're telling me, right? And then and then we have to get other food safety professionals on social media. But I think people are reluctant. Uh, you and I, I mean, you and I are kind of the the tip of the iceberg, right? We have not a podcast. We have two podcasts. We're quite active on Twitter. Um, we are willing to engage with people. And I think, so first of all, I think there are folks who are researchers who are not extension people who are reluctant to engage. And yeah. I would say there are even extension people who are reluctant to engage because they don't feel that that is their clientele, right? Like they're going to work with the apple growers uh, about listeria, right? But they're not, they don't really... They're, I don't want to say they're afraid, but I think they they might kind of be afraid, right? It's like why, why you know you know you and I talk to the news media a lot, and I know people that have that have in their professional capacity have talked to the news media and they've gotten burned and they feel bad and they're never going to do that again. And so I think you have to be willing to put yourself out there and engage with people and let the, let the chips fall where they may, right? I mean to say stuff that is potentially controversial to call people out. Uh, again, I'm always trying, these days I'm trying to be more careful about punching up and not punching down, right? Uh, although I will engage with people that maybe, you know, uh, certain uh, people that um, uh, defend people for their articles on sashimi, right? right, but, right. But, not, but, but again, it's not with the intention of punching down so much as like, anyway, it depends on what time of day and yeah, <laughs> right, right. beverage or not. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what we can. I don't know what we can do differently other than to keep doing what we're doing. And again, and of course, in the in the research that you do. So what we, you know, in my lab, we'll go. I mean, I'll engage with people on on social media. I'm probably not going to start making TikToks, um, but uh, and I'm I'm sure not going to go out and like like the work that you do in your lab with reviewing cookbook recipes or engaging with Glyneth Paltrow, right, to talk about the 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 BS that she's putting out there, right? Like that's that's right in your core competency. That's what your group is doing research on. And I'll amplify those messages and I'll help you. That's just not the kind of, not the kind of work that we're going, that I'm going to do personally, but we, I mean, the, maybe the solution is we need more people like you doing the job that you're doing. But I mean, it's, that's, that's hard, right? I mean, you've, you've kind of created this niche for yourself in terms of what you do and, and somebody else would have to go and create a different niche for themselves. But, but, it, but, but, uh, you know, ha having people that do an analogous thing where their job is to engage with the public around, you know, food safety, stuff that about foods around food safety that's wrong, right? And, and for that matter, I mean, certainly I put in the spread in the, the spreadsheet for our other show, I put um, uh, 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 marshmallows and sticks, but we probably should also do uh, candy apples, right? We've not done an episode on, on candied apples. And I think that would right. be worth it. Yeah. And there's, there's more than Kathy Glass's paper, right? There's a paper by some folks at FDA, um, uh, Joel Salazar and others, uh, including oh, friend of the pod, uh, Nikki Parrish, right, um, right, right, uh, right, on fate of listeria on fresh apples and caramel apples, and 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 this is of interest to me in terms of some of the research we're doing. I really, again, I hate to make it all about water activity and relative humidity, but I really think that there's a lot that we don't understand about available water in the environment, 
in the in the matrix or in the in the uh, relative humidity in the environment and growth of pathogens, including listeria. So uh, that might be a good topic for risky or not as well. Which is again, so back to my earlier point, the way I'm going to engage is is with with folks on Twitter and probably through podcasts. Right, right. Well, and and I, I maybe that's uh, the thing that I'm I'm thinking about. It's not about having more of you and I. It's it's just having more people. I two is enough. Yeah, yeah, two is enough. But 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 more people willing to engage in the in the space. And I think you and I are in a we're we're in special situations. And and I see this from a you know a newer faculty standpoint. You're never really sure. First of all, whether this is something that you is valued or you could or should do, because you're you're learning it right. Like you're you're trying to figure out what's out there. It's also a niche that not everybody gets. Mm. And and you don't some sometimes you don't want to stick your 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 neck out. But then also we're pretty comfortable in our you know in our careers, right? It's not like oh, yeah, yeah. That, it's, it's different right? when you're doing it as an assistant professor, yeah, right? Like yeah. and my and my my job has changed so much right since I've been an assistant professor. And I'm really glad that I have made this job into the job that I have now because it's way more interesting and fun. And honestly, if it wasn't, if this wasn't interesting and fun, I would change it to something that was because that's the, you know, the, the benefits of being, you know, blessed with a, a tenure track university position where you're fairly successful at what you do. You can kind of, you can kind of do your own thing, um, you know, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so, this is like we we've just you know I, I say we our group has just forayed as a group into TikTok. Certainly, there's there's a couple of my my team members who've been very much into TikTok, and I'll I'll tell you like TikTok from my from my kids' standpoint, they are consuming TikTok media uh, almost solely. Like this is where they're learning news. Mm -hmm. This is where they are you know coming up with you know, facts, they're learning about history things. There's so many different like places that they are, um, that they're just, you know, scrolling through videos so quickly because the user interface is so good. They were doing a lot of this on YouTube, but, but now it is a whole different world. Um, and, and so well, and, and the other thing, from what I understand, the YouTube algorithm is good. From what I understand from people who've talked about it on other shows, see Dubai Friday, for example, um, yeah. the TikTok algorithm is scary good. Yes. Right? Yes. And so, but here's the, like, Don, we, we put this, so um, Mary made a video, we'll link to this in, um, in show notes. Um, she made a video specifically on this conversation that we just had. Um, Listeria in, um, in, um, in, in candy apples. And this was five days ago. It's got 111,000 views and 383 comments and 20,000 likes. Like, like not literally nothing else we have done has the same kind of reach. And I've been at this for like 20 years. We did, um, Candace on our team did one, um, Again, back in August, on um, you know one of the conversations that you and I have had on leftover cheese or pepperoni pizza, and this was based on one of the conversations that we had had on on risky or not. Um, it's got thirty one thousand, thirty nine thousand likes, twelve hundred comments, and over three hundred thousand views. It, it's it's kind of like it, it is it, it's mind boggling the community and the. I mean, really, the ease of making 
the, these types of videos, the, the fact that it's like, what makes them compelling is that someone's making them on their phone, that they're not overproduced, that it's easy to put links in, that it's easy to talk about things with text and they're, they're short. So, I mean, I, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm caught in this wave right now. Everyone who's doing food safety communications should be doing TikTok. And, and because yeah. it, right. Like, yeah. like there's nothing else that, and that that's even coming close. Like, I think we would look at, if we had a thousand views on a YouTube video on something food safety wise, um, over the course of a year, um, two years ago, I would call that a success. Now, if we make a TikTok video that has less than a hundred thousand views, it's like, oh, we missed the mark. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how, so, and I'm looking, I'm looking at, so you, you, uh, sent a link to all your, basically your TikTok page, yeah. right. Um, where people can see the listeria. Uh, and I think the the thing to put in show notes is maybe the link to the whole page, but the question is like, why I, mean, I can understand why hurricane snacks only got 2000, right. Yeah. 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 Um, listeria and apples. Why did that get why did that get over a hundred thousand? Right? What 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 yeah. is it about that? Is it the time of day? Is it the content? It's it's you know it's not it's not. Uh, is it Mary that's doing it? Um, yeah, that was Mary. Yeah, so it's not Mary's face because Mary has done other ones, you right, know, right. That, that, are, that have done not as well, right? So, but, but it, I think it's the I think it's a combination of the topic and and timing, right? Like right yeah. now people are thinking about oh like yeah seasonal yep seasonal yep. things but but also it's a it's one of these like myths or facts kind of things you know yeah. so but so the other really big ones that we've had were the one that candace did on um leftover pizza which is one of these you know age-old questions around food safety and then another one was in response to something about a butter crock and and so this is where you keep butter on your counter but covered in water um, to reduce um, the oxidation. And so so Mary kind of deconstructed that. And it was, again, 250,000 views, uh, 25,000 likes, uh, over 180 comments. So, so it, you know, part of the thing with TikTok is jumping into other conversations. It just, it works really well because I think the algorithm, if someone sees something about caramel apples, that this also then pops up and there's so much more sharing of, um, recipes, talking about things that are seasonable, seasonal, talking about things that are in pop culture in in TikTok that doesn't exist in the other um, social media for in the same way. So, but it's just a vast amount of people that are using it too. So yeah, Listerian caramel apples, butter crock and pizza for whatever reason we've landed on those. The other ones we're in the, you know, factor fiction, pasteurized milk expiration dates. Yeah, that did okay. At, it's just 12,000 views, but it wasn't like the hundred, you know, hundred thousand plus views that we're getting on the other ones. Yeah, so I just uh, I just put a, a a task in my OmniFocus inbox uh, entitled "Learn More About TikTok." I'm going to really try this time yeah, because yeah. this is this is I mean this kind of engagement is really is really amazing, and we are and I think you and I are generating so much good like proto TikTok raw material on on risky or not that we ought to be able to, again, I, I want to use TikTok to grow the podcast. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe, and use the podcast to, to help TikTok too. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, so, you know, I, I think that's the, um, 
you know, you and I, we, we work on this other project about um, uh, COVID and management in, in food settings and do, you know, the food COVID nets, the name of the project we've talked about it on the, on this podcast um, in the past, but we had a conversation with one of our collaborators, Byron Chavez, um, in our sort of weekly update meeting about some of the stuff that he's doing in his laboratory um, and looking at like air, just something that I thought was really fascinating from a science standpoint, which is, can I follow um, directions on how to air fry chicken wings in an air fryer? And, and if we, you know, seed that air fryer with some, you know, pathogens, we'll put, let's put some Campylobacter and Salmonella, and I think it was Salmonella specifically on it. Um, what, what do we find? And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to scoop Byron because I know he's, he's got, you know, preparation of a manuscript in, in this area, but I, but I will say that that's the type of science question that lends itself to telling stories on TikTok, right? Yes, like it's, yes. it's air fryer. It's, you know, so it's, it's a new kind of piece of equipment. It's something that people are doing in their home. It's one of these things that maybe someone's thinking about, maybe they're not. Is it as safe as, as frying or, um, you know, baking uh, chicken? Why or why not? Telling those stories lends itself to social media and especially TikTok in a way that it didn't, that we didn't have before. So more people feeding their data into this, the more we can get out there and talk about it. Um, and I say we, it's not, again, it's not just me or my group or you, it's we as food safety professionals. And it doesn't have to be food safety communicators. And in fact, I'd rather it's not food safety communicators. I think it's more genuine if Byron's out there talking about this. You know, because he's the one doing the work, or him and his yeah. graduate student, his graduate yeah. student doing doing it. That's that's who needs to be. That that maybe maybe I answered my own question. How do we get out there more in this? You know, in, in this Lucerian and caramel apple example, it's it's that we need to be empowered more to actually tell our stories and and not feel pressure like what would happen if this happened if, if i go out there right should i be out there on tiktok and and i'll my bias is yeah we absolutely should be um but not everybody feels that way i guess so yeah oh for sure for sure i mean yeah. and, and, it, and that was true you know it's true with everything right? yes it's true with well i don't want to do youtube videos or i don't want to do a pot i mean extension folks are real comfortable with fact sheets and doing trainings and powerpoint and et cetera, et cetera. but yeah. But, well, but I mean, anything new, I think, you know, again, it's people that are, what, what is it? The first adopters, right? Like there's people that are out there doing the new stuff and there's other people that are like, well, I'll just wait and see how that goes, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, it's, it's funny that you say that because you, um, what extension folks are comfortable with are those fact sheets and they're also comfortable with numbers, right? We're not always measuring impacts. And, and I think that extension systems are really pushing us to, to do this in, across everything, not just in, in food safety, but we're really good at counting how many number of, of downloads we had on a fact sheet, right? Right. So, so can you imagine, I, I've got, I've got to, I'm, I'm going to put something out here that hopefully doesn't sound pretentious, but I bet that between Listerian Caramel Apple, TikTok, Buttercrock TikTok, and uh, pizza TikTok. If I do the quick math on this, we're well over seven hundred thousand views. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's got a food safety fact sheet that's been downloaded seven hundred thousand times. No, agree. No, <laughs> right. that's, so, no, that's just of course not. And yeah. and I'm not saying hey, I'm better at this. What I'm saying is, if we want numbers, 
we should look at places where you might get better exposure and numbers, right? Like if that's what we're worried about, there's better ways to do it than, fa- than you know, faxing out factions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So this is, I mean, these are, these are my, my podcast. So I get to take us into a direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want you to look at something that I think is really fascinating uh, that I put into Dropbox and I'll uh, um, give you a link to this. But Don, are you aware or have you ever heard of shredded pork rinds? And would you ever, uh, pork skin, um, pork rinds and pork skin. And would you think about these maybe leading to um, uh, food safety issues? Do you, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about here? Well, so I, I am familiar with pork cracklins. Yep. And, and, and this is something that it is popular in the South. Um, it is something that I ate some of on a regular basis when I was trying to do Atkins style diet, right? Because they're basically all fat. Yep. Um, and they're okay. Um, if they're not fresh, they're a little gross because they, they have a lot of fat in them. So they tend to oxidize. Um, you know, depending upon how they're made, uh, I mean, the frying process should kill any pathogens that are there. But again, as we've seen with um, uh, chitlins, pork chitlins, um, you can, it's a very messy process. Uh, and so there could be post-process contamination. Um, so yeah, so I, but I, I'm, I, I'm looking at the, uh, looking at the, the thing in the Dropbox and I, I think you just sent me a, a link. And so, uh, yeah, so, but tell me more. So this is, um, I think these are raw. These aren't fried. Okay, so so we'll link to this. Um, it's uh, from gross. yeah, uh, from uh, CFIA, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. And 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 Don, let's do this as part of our um, ABC, CDC, CFIA plus uh, <laughs> ongoing bit. Uh, I, I found, you're at your bell today. I found it. I found my bell. Um, So uh, the uh, headline is food safety warning, shredded pork rind and shredded pork skin sold to certain restaurants in greater Toronto area may be unsafe due to salmonella. So this came out uh, over over the weekend, September 19th, um, uh, Canadian Food Inspection Agency and the Ministry of Health in Ontario are warning restaurants in greater Toronto area not to purchase, use or serve products described below for possible salmonella uh, contamination. The following products have been known to be sold. Um, and this is really interesting. So um, it, 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 uh, it, they've been um, sold to certain Vietnamese or Asian uh, restaurants, sold frozen in clear plastic bags with no labels, no lock codes, no identifiers, no cooking instructions. Don, please click on the video or the, not the video, the the um, the, the uh, picture, because I yeah. think it's really fascinating. It is a... Oh, I don't know, an eight or 10 gallon. um, It's probably a 10 pound bag of shredded pork skin. Yeah. What it it looks like for those that are are driving and don't want to click on the show notes as you're listening to this now, I would describe this as a giant bag of gummy worms that has yet to be flavored or colored. Yes. It is. It is. It is. It is. It looks like just a bag of fake worms. Um, but in, but in fact, it is shredded pork skin and shredded pork, shredded, shredded pork 
shredded pork rind pork what the, the the label on the picture is weird but anyway yeah it's 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 basically shredded pork rind i think and somebody has uh, maybe a typographical error in the label but it it looks it looks gross but it but not like super gross like it because it doesn't really look like food but if you imagine what it smells like and what it actually would taste like it's it's pretty it's pretty stomach turning yeah yeah but but it is like I, I my my guess. And so when you were talking about pork rinds, I think this is where we want to make that that distinction. This looks like it has not been processed. Maybe oh, not well. No, it's not, been shredded. Not but it, is, it is not. Yeah. It has not been fried in any way. Yes. Yeah. Um. And and so um. I'm gonna we'll we'll link to a couple of um. Yeah. Uh. Types of recipes that I could find on this. I I, I, I you know. You know, our listeners love when I pronounce things, Don, because um, I'm good at reading and I'm not good at saying, but um, there, there is, I, I think that this is a Vietnamese dish mm-hmm. called B-Hyo. So it's a B-I-H-E-O. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll, I'll send you a, a couple of links so you can take a look at this um, that, that I found. And, and I think that... Um, you know, it is, um, well, I'll read from one of these, one of these recipes, shredded pork skin is an important ingredient for most of the rice dishes in Vietnamese cuisines. Many people use this dish for baguette bread, banh mi, spring roll, uh, go quan, and broken rice, con tam as well. Recommended to serve with sweet sauce, uh, for better tasting. And, and so, so you're, I think you, you can find this type of uncooked processed pork skin, you soak it and then fry it in, in, in oil. So, so what restaurants are doing are they're buying large bags and then soaking and frying it um, as part of their, their dishes. And so it doesn't surprise me that there would be salmonella associated with, with this, um, knowing that that's something that we would expect to see with, with raw pork. Um, what, I, what I do find interesting about this is like, you know, and this, if, if, if this season of food safety talk, you know, cause we talk about seasons, right, Don, we, in the last three or four episodes, we've talked about the network of supply chain for hedgehogs, the network of supply chain for chickens. And now I think the network of supply chain for shredded pork rind or shredded pork skin that are sold frozen in clear plastic bags with no labels, no lock codes, no identifiers, no cooking instructions. I think this part's probably really fascinating. I don't know if we'll ever learn anything about it, but someone is, you know, working with meat processors, probably smaller, um, smaller meat processors somewhere in Ontario. And my guess is this is happening all throughout the world and certainly about all throughout North America, where someone is buying the, these pork rinds as byproducts of processed pork and then shredding them and then uh, sell them to, to restaurants, which is a whole other issue. Um, but then these restaurants are handling them um, and, uh, and, and leading, you know, in, in this case, and again, I'll, I'll give a, I, I'm going to give like a C um, or maybe a C plus in this uh, edition of ABC, CDC, CFIA plus, because illnesses, as I scroll down to this, this report, there have been reported illnesses associated with the consumption of these products. <laughs> Okay. That's it, right? Ministry of Health in Ontario in collaboration with Public Health Ontario, local public health units, and food safety partners are investigating an outbreak of human illnesses. 
Okay. How many illnesses, where, what, what, what restaurants, right? This has all been sold through restaurants. What do we know about it? We don't have any information on this. And again, I'll, I'll, I will give you that this is three days in, but certainly, certainly, and I guess, I, you know, Don, I'll, I'll use my close to the mic voice. It seems like we've identified illnesses. It seems like we've identified a product. We don't know who's selling the product. No problem. But I think we could probably share with more about the investigation because if I am a consumer in a restaurant in Ontario, I might want to know this, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I might, I might. So anyway, I, I'm going to give them a C plus because I think there's some good information in here, but it, but we're missing that piece of information. And I know, I'll, I, I'm going to give you the answer already. CFIA is going to say, well, that's not our responsibility. That is something that, that Public Health Ontario and the Ministry mm -hmm. of Health in Ontario mm -hmm. should be sharing. Got it. Understand that's a broken system. You fix it, not me. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, yeah, so just before we leave this, I do, I, I will link to the Wikipedia article on pork rind because it looks like, like there are, there are regional variations of different ways of, of making pork rind. And mm. I, I don't know, have you, have you ever heard of scrunchions? No. What are scrunchions? Scrunchions is a Newfoundland term or Newfoundland, I guess you would say that <laughs> term. <laughs> this, here we for, go. Sorry, sorry. Uh, for small pieces of pork rind or pork fat back fried until rendered and crispy, they're often used in flavorings over other foods such as salt fish and potatoes and mainly used as a condiment for fish and brewies. Um, in Quebec or Quebec, as you say. Quebec. Uh, they're <laughs> Quebec. They're often, uh, yeah, uh, they're often called Orel de Christ, Christ's ears, and are eaten almost exclusively as part of a traditional cabana sucre meals. Oh, I don't know I've, what any of that means, but yeah. anyway, and it goes on. There's a there's a Brazilian version, Colombian version. There's tons of versions in Asia, in China, Philippines. The 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 Vietnamese words don't look the same as the because you're saying bai hio. And yes, in, in this, in this page, the Wikipedia page for Vietnam, it says, yeah, I don't know. It's not, that's not called that, but anyway, it's uh, yeah. Anyway, interesting stuff. The one um, I'll send you another link from a food blogger, um, uh, Trang from runaway rice. Oh, and Dr. Trang. I love this blog. Yeah, Dr. Trang. Um, it, uh, it, um, it looks like like the picture from runaway rice looks like what I would expect the cooked shredded pork to look like the bee cow or classic okay. restaurant dish. Okay. You, you know, like that's, you, you can see the bag and be like, Oh yeah, this looks like that's, it's, that turns into that. Yeah. 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 It's not, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not really, it's not like the Wikipedia page has all these things that look very puffy. Yeah. And, and this does not look puffy. It just no. looks kind of, yeah, actually, honestly, it does not really look that appetizing. Oh, I'd eat this. I, you know, I like this, this is in my, this is in my wheelhouse of eating pork products. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm a, I'm this. Yeah. It, so what's really interesting. So you, the Newfoundland, not Newfoundland, because 
um, we're going to get letters that at uh, at bug counter with your uh, with your problems on, on that one. Yeah. Actually, Dave, uh, Dave Bacon Schaffner is going to email oh, me on Facebook. He's not going to be happy. Uh, the scrunchions. I, I just found this in Taste Atlas. Maybe that's because okay. it sounded very similar to what you you were um, reading from the Wikipedia page and fish and brewis brewies. Maybe I don't know. Brewies? Yeah, this one I don't know how to how to pronounce, but I would love this. Uh -huh. This sounds like um, I found one at food.com. Um, uh, soak hard bread overnight uh, in cold water. Soak cod overnight in large pot of water as well. This is salted cod. I'm, there's probably some food safety issues. We can go. We should add this to the list of risky or not. Uh -huh. um, ready when ready to eat. Place potatoes in the same pot as the cod. Simmer. Um, and then there's two toppings with fish and breweries, drawn butter and scrunchions, drawn buttermilk. Yeah, this sounds fantastic. It does not look good, but it's like a, it's like a salted codfish hash with, I'm, I'm disappointed. I thought like fish and breweries, that would be like fish and chips, but with beer because it yeah. says breweries, but it's not, it's not, it's not breweries is not, oh, oh it's pronounced brews. Sorry. Fish brews. and brews. Fish and brews. Yeah. Fish and brews. That's like, I, uh, to me, that's fish and chips. Like a Gus uh, and brew. Where you, where, <laughs> Exactly, where you yeah. have a beer. Yeah, I guess I'm brew. I, I, uh, I don't, I don't have a puppers. Uh, <laughs> so, but anyway, like this is so. I've I've never been um, to Newfoundland. Um, it is it's it's kind of like one of the things that I'd love to do with with um, with the family in, in the next couple of years is to drive to the East Coast and take a ferry across and mountain bike out there. Mm -hmm. And it, I, I'll tell you, this is now on my list as a traditional Newfoundland uh, dish that no one else in my family will eat, but I will eat. <laughs> I, I, I will eat this. This sounds this sounds awesome. So there, well, there we go. We got we got lots of Canadian content today. Um, but so let's you know just coming back to to this outbreak. Um, you know, things to take away, probably don't buy unlabeled, no lot coded products. Well, but, but that, that advice that you're giving, you're giving that to people that own restaurants, the people yep. that are going to those restaurants don't know anything about this, which again, nope. see, see your earlier comments about the poor, uh, risk communication from, uh, you know, the, the folks at, uh, uh, the CFIA plus Canada, see, yeah, yeah. Canadian food inspection agency would say it's not their job. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but but really, like, like this, yeah, yeah. So we've got a we got a restaurant problem here. You know, maybe there's with these types of foods. Who knows? Maybe we've got an undercooked issue. Maybe it's a cross contamination. Um, you know, certainly there there is yeah. a. I, I well, I, so what what I what I think. So we see we see you know we have we've discussed this before, and this is a really interesting topic. It's like, well, why? We know that pork has salmonella and probably when this product is made all the time, it has salmonella, just like the, what was the, the chicken uh, gizzards, right? There's yep. an outbreak linked to chicken. Well, what, well, chicken gizzards should always have salmonella. What, what's unique about this? I suspect that we have a particularly bad batch out there because something went wrong and it's most of the time it's at a low level and most of the time it's taken care of by cooking. And even some of this product that's this part of this quote unquote bad batch um, is probably being eaten safely because it's being properly cooked but the, but there the, there's something about the prevalence and concentration of the pathogen in this batch or, or batches that is causing in some cases post-process 
contamination where it's being fried in a restaurant or cooked in a restaurant, but then they didn't have good cross-contamination control. And that's where the illnesses are coming from. That's, that's right. my speculation. But, but again, that's all speculation. We never, ever in the real world ever know this really. Right, right. Or, and, or haven't known it yet because we just don't have the precise enough data to, you know, to, to even speculate or do risk calculations. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put, you know, I'll, I'll put tempeh also on the list here, yep. which, which is not, certainly not a product like this, but the, and we, we've talked about, this is one of my favorite outbreaks that we've ever had. Um, uh, on, on, <laughs> if I, all my, all my outbreaks are my favorite. Um, but, but there was like, we, we had this, um, we'll, we'll link to this, uh, uh, you know, the uh, uh, article from 2013 gastroenteritis outbreak associated with unpasteurized tempeh. Um, and in this outbreak, I think that one of the risk factors was that someone didn't recognize that an unpasteurized tempeh was a raw product. And I get right. my, I bet similarly that there's cross-contamination potential here that uh, if I see, you know, I, 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 these are pork, it's pork skin. It's not pork meat. I think that there's probably right. a disconnect um, there. So maybe I'm not handling it the same way that I would if it was like raw pork that I throw on a cutting board or a prep board or a prep table. Um, so yeah, anyway, I, I think that this is, I, I th there is never a shortage of things that we can talk about on food safety talk, but this one popped into my inbox and I was like, man, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun here, right? Like, and how do we, how do we fix fix this? That's my that's my question for all things today, Don. Or how do we address it? How do we make it better? Well, it's a restaurant issue. It's a regulatory issue. It's a consumer question issue. Like there's, it's so wrapped up. And 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 there's a processing issue. Like how how does someone? And there there's an either unregulated or breaking sort of the regulatory law on selling this product. In the first place, like how do you how do you sell this bag of just shredded, you know, hide? And how did how did one get this bag of shredded hide from a processor? Or you know, wh wh or who knows? Who knows? Maybe they're maybe we're talking about maybe the meat from the, this these pigs are also being sold in an unregulated plastic bag, you know, kind of no lots portion. Who knows? We don't know. We don't know anything about it yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, so just before we leave the pig topic completely, I do want to share a little thing that occurred in, in my life recently is I got a call from an extension client who said, what chemical can I add to my leftover bakery products that I'm feeding to my pigs to stop it from molding? <laughs> that, oh. was the, that was the opening uh, statement. And I'm like, well, tell me more. Right. And so this is apparently a small New Jersey pig farmer who has located a Dunkin' Donuts that is willing to give him all of their leftover donuts, which he wants to feed to his pig. Um, and uh, he needs his pigs, pig or pigs, I don't know, small <laughs> farmer. Um, uh, and he and it's getting moldy. And so he wanted to he wanted to stop that. And so my advice was, well, look, you're not going to I mean, don't I wouldn't suggest that you solve this with preservatives. Let's talk about how you might dry those donuts. Right. And we had a really nice conversation. And then I followed up with uh, an email message to my colleagues in animal science and then some of my colleagues who are. Um, that we don't have a um, uh, uh, agricultural engineering department or bioengineering department anymore, but we have a couple of people 
who are engineers who are in our um, environmental sciences department. And so I put him in touch with them. And so uh, hopefully he's getting the answers that he need, needed. But it was, I thought, just thought it was fascinating that he he found me because he had yeah. a problem with moldy uh, donuts that he wanted to feed to his pigs. And so right. again, my, my reason, so it's an interesting story and it just, you know, I like to share stories about my, my work life, but um, it's also interesting because I think it points out like, okay, this guy is somewhere in New Jersey, he's raising pigs not a big operation. He's going to sell those pigs to somebody, right? He's going to sell the skin to somebody. He's yeah. probably making connections with restaurants. I mean, if he's smart, he's making connections with gourmet restaurants in New York City or Philadelphia to sell his you know, premium pigs at a premium price, right? Uh, and, and all of this is sort of quasi, I mean, yes, there's regulations, but you know, it's not, it's their deals being struck, I'm sure. Right, right, right. And that, I think exactly like there's, there's a regulatory framework that we're not, we're not suggesting that this is un unregulated, but there's lots of stuff. And, and especially in, in this, like, I don't know, it byproducts, maybe not even the right, the right word for it. I, we want people to be using, you know, there's a lot of environmental impacts of, of the inputs that go into raising pigs. I want them to be using the hide. Right. Like, like from oh, right. a personal standpoint or whatever, like maximizing, I don't want waste because it, it takes a lot to, to bring those, those pigs to market. So then, you know, you, you've got this additional, like, you know, I don't know, regulatory world on top of it or, or, or whatever that makes it a little more complicated. And I, I don't want this to come across like, you know, we, we've got really great folks in, in the Department of Agriculture here in, in our state. And certainly we know many people at USDA FSIS. Um, but we also know, like, see Raw Milk Amsterdam, that there's a lot yeah. of black market. So, oh, yeah. the, like, let's not, let's not be, um, um, let, let, let's not ignore that, right? Like, this, this is all, this is all real, um, that this kind of stuff is, is happening. So how do we, how do we help and make yeah. it, make it, make it better? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're ready to, to switch a little bit, speaking of, of like unregulated fun stuff, um, I, I would like, so, you know, I've, I've mentioned this um, in the past. Um, one of the things I like, I love about um, recording podcasts with you on Wednesdays is that Wednesdays are also the day that FDA releases their updated, here are all the warning letters we sent out this week and are now uh -huh. in our database. Uh -huh. um, so I wanna point you to one that I think is really interesting from a food safety standpoint. Um, and, and it is a warning letter that did not come uh, from the group that, from, from CIFSAN, but it came from, uh, where, where is this? Uh, the, the um, oh, the, the division that the, in the animal food and health world at FDA that uh, talks about uh, unregulated or no, incorrect and unsubstantiated um, uh, issues about uh, foods that are uh, now drugs. And so this is a warning letter that went to Fibromyalgia Treatment Group, FTG LLC. Uh, and this was dated August 26, 2021. We'll link to this um, uh, FDA warning letter in show notes. Um, so there was a lot of fun stuff in this one, but I, I, I will highlight, you know, um, the, the, my favorites. So mm -hmm. this went to, um, this is, 
uh, went to, dear Mr. Sparling, uh, this advice do advise you that the Food and Drug Administration reviewed your websites at the internet addresses, www.fibromyalgiatreatmentgroup.com uh, slash landers slash one slash also fibrorelief.com, uh, neuropathytreatmentgroup.com and nerverenew.com. And that's the one I really want you to um, focus on here, Don, in a minute. Uh, and they determined that they take orders for uh, a, a number of products, fibro relief support formula, nerve renew, nerve boost optimizer, and immune support. There's a whole bunch. They also reviewed a bunch of social media. This is one of the, my favorite uh, ones that I've seen because basically there are, um, in, in this company is selling some of my favorite spices. In fact, what caught my eye is I added turmeric, turmeric, um, to a, uh, a, a, a butternut squash and apple soup that I'm going to consume as soon as we're done this podcast today, uh, for lunch. And so I like turmeric for a couple of reasons. One, I like the taste and one, I like the color that it adds to things. But did you know, according to fibromyalgia treatment group, um, that it also, uh, the, the active ingredient in turmeric <laughs> curcumin, which is also, I guess, in maybe cumeric, cumeric, um, cumin is a potent antioxidant with an insanely powerful anti-inflammatory and pain relieving properties. The marvel nature has virtually no side effects and offers vast benefits to fibromyalgia sufferers. Um, quote, also allegedly, this is not something that I or you are endorsing. So please, FDA, do not send us a warning letter. Um, but there's a whole bunch of things like white willow bark extract, celery seed extract, um, Sam dash E, vitamin D3, black pepper, bioperine. Now, all of these things that we would add as spices and other things to foods that people like to uh, say that they will help your fibromyalgia and also give you nerve renewal. How, is, how are your nerves? Do they need renewing? You know, I think they're okay. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, turmeric is an, is an interesting one. It is, and, and it, there is actual um, science going on with, with curcumin and turmeric. Uh, there are a number of faculty in my department who are doing research with these compounds in biological systems. And so it is, there is, there is a there there. Um, but obviously um, this individual, um, you know, might have perhaps violated some FDA re requirements, regulations about labeling their product. I don't think you can say it cures something, for example. And so that's why this individual probably got into a little bit of trouble. Yes. Yeah, they they have a lot of testimonials um, out there that make this look like uh, these are drugs, um, and and they are not. There was one other thing that I liked in here that I wanted to um, highlight. Uh, oh, here here's my other favorite part that is in the warning letter. Additionally, your website, fibromyalgiatreatmentgroup.com slash landers slash one, which is my, like, I like that it's, that that's what it says, includes the statement, quote, our manufacturing facility is FDA approved. FDA gets really mad when people say that. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, so the, FDA, the response is FDA does not approve dietary supplement <laughs> manufacturing facilities. Therefore, the statement is false or misleading, even if your fibro 
uh, relief support formula were not unapproved new and a misbranded drug, it would be misbranded on an entirely different section of the um, <laughs> of the act. I love that section. That that is that's a great that that's just like some some lawyer is just just like just really getting his getting yeah. his rocks off on that. Like, oh yes, all right now. Not only are you wrong about this, sir, but if you were not wrong about this, you would be wrong about this completely other thing over here, sir. Double, double wrongnesses everywhere. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I, I, you know, every Wednesday, um, I, I get an email. I I, bri- I briefly scroll through to see if there's anything really exciting, like petting a lizard um, while while doing a uh, uh, an inspection uh, or beard, I think it was a bearded, bearded lizard dragon, bearded yeah. dragon yeah so so that unfortunately we didn't have that but we did have some good you know some some good stuff this week in in warning letters this week in warning letters is another uh, <laughs> bit of food safety talk yeah that, that this uh, week in warning letters I like it this week in warning letters. Um, so the other thing I want to, well, I mean, there's lots of things and we can get into some feedback um, here in a minute, but the the other thing I wanted to, to talk to you about was my ongoing and historical obsession with um, outbreaks uh, linked to water systems mm-hmm. uh, and uh, food safety news um, ha- had something in, in yesterday's uh, edition, 50 sick in Ireland by contaminated drinking waters. Uh, by, by contaminated drinking water, officials chided. And so the health service executive um, is investigating an outbreak in the town of Gorey in North Wexford. There have been 52 confirmed illnesses linked to the incident, including cases of shikatoxin producing E. coli with a number of hospitalizations. Um, the Gorey water treatment plant in County Wexford, there was a power outage and the chlorine pump failure resulted in water leaving the plant and entering the public supply without the appropriate level of disinfection for five days. Beginning August 19th, um, the incident was not reported to uh, EPA in Ireland um, and the health uh, service executive until August 26th. Um, The delay in in reporting prevented a timely risk assessment of the impact on drinking water in time to allow measures that could have protected public health. So, so this is one where I, I, we, we see uh, a number of boil water advisories when something happens, when either there's a heavy rainfall or power outages, when a water treatment plant um, is, is impacted by you know, just, just is not able to do the things that it's uh, supposed to do to keep water safe. You know, historically, uh, I'm very interested in, in all of these in- incidents because my my introduction into food and water safety was was from uh, an outbreak linked to um, water uh, treatment or lack thereof in and falsifying water um uh, treatment records in the town of Walkerton back in 2000 in uh, in Ontario, where I was uh, going to uh, to school at the University of Guelph at the time, and that's how I landed in this world. But but this one, you know, there's a lot here, right? Like you've got a problem with your pump, um, you're you've led to illnesses, but so much full, so much of the problem that you've got 52 Ill- or led to 52 illnesses in a short amount of time, like this is a big deal to me. 900,000 
consumers were left unaware of the risks they faced and did not have the opportunity to protect themselves. And this is not just customers in their home and about drinking water, but also like customers at restaurants and other institutions where that drinking water was also being used to make food or um, or beverages. And, and so anyway, this is like, I don't think this has gotten any real um, food safety news is the only place that I've seen this reported so far, but this is a big, like, this is a big deal to me. Um, so, so anyway, I just wanted to, to highlight it because it came across my radar. Yeah. And just as a related Walkerton related thing. So one of the things I did this week is I hosted the New Jersey association for food protection, uh, meeting where you'll be speaking next month. I will. Yes. Uh, and this month's speaker was another Canadian. Um, um, Michael, uh, what the hell is his last name? I'm blank. I'm so embarrassed. Um, uh, talking about the uh, fallacious fecal coliform. Uh, Michael, past IAFP president. Michael Brodsky. Oh, Michael Brodsky. Michael Brodsky. Michael Brodsky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyway, very, very good. A little bit of technical difficulties there. As I told him at the end, uh, tell uh, Mrs. Brodsky to tell her husband he needs a new computer. Uh, he had to reboot his computer and apparently it's old. So it took a long, long time um, and uh, still didn't exactly fix the problem. So, but anyway, so Michael did a, give a great talk on the fallacious fecal coliform and he spelled it with a Canadian uh, spelling with the extra letter there in the middle, which he made sure to point out to us. So I was very happy um, and he gave a great talk. So uh, yeah, so, so, you know, anyway, uh, Walker, and he talked about Walkerton uh, oh, and, yeah. and all that good stuff. So, yeah. Well, Michael, uh, we might have mentioned this on the on this podcast, um, but uh, Michael Michael Brodsky and I um, shared a a bill, not a bill like the uh, um, like we didn't pay for anything, but <laughs> but the 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 marquee uh, of hmm. a a meeting in Quebec City um, that uh, 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 Quebec. Quebec uh, at uh, Laval uh, University, uh, friend of the friend of the show, maybe I think uh, uh, Julie Jean uh, invited uh, Michael and I to speak a couple of years ago. It was one of my uh, one of my favorite trips uh, talking about food safety. I got to um, uh, share a couple of meals with Michael and and um, his lovely partner, spouse, wife Ava. Uh, I, I ate poutine with them. Um, as you do, uh, but but I got to hang out with him and and you know drink a drink a couple of beers, um, and I I knew we knew each other uh, from uh, back in in, in my uh, Ontario days, uh, but it was the first time that I really got to spend a lot of time with them and, and driving around. It was great. It was really really great, um, great time. Uh, but but one of those like you know giants of the food safety world that that I I, I only really got to know because of IAFP. Um, and this was, I think this out, this, uh, meeting was, um, was sponsored by the Quebec, Quebec affiliate of Quebec. Uh, food protection. Yes. Quebec. Uh, uh, so, um, anyway, Mike, yeah, Mike, 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 Michael Brodsky, great, great dude. Uh, cool. Um, so let's, let's do some, let's do a little let's bit of feedback. Feet. Yeah. <laughs> Feel back. Feel back. Let's do some feel back. Feel, feel yeah. Uh, I, so. I think I said feel back because I was looking at the word waffle. And <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's so let's do this. So I and I do have to say also I um, uh, have that weird situation I have again where apparently my browser has stopped working, but oh. uh, my uh, Zoom recording is still going, and I can still hear you and you can hear me. So I don't know what's going on with that. But yeah, let's do some rapid fire uh, feedback here. So this is. 
from a friend of the podcast, uh, Braden Williams, um, who says, uh, hey, Bug Counter, Benjamin Chapman, y'all missed the most important research on dishwasher cooking. Alton Brown and at don't uh, at Alton Brown and at don't try this experiments and it's a MythBusters cooking lasagna with dishwasher, and uh, my response to him was missed or studiously ignored and and uh, so and then actually um and I think Alton Brown actually got into that tweet thread which really surprised me. So, oh, I didn't see that part. Yeah, he's he's he he's, he did he was he liked it or he did something. So, oh yeah. well, yeah, thanks Alton. Yeah. Oh, um, that's cool. That's good. Yeah, that was good. It was a, that was a good um. Uh, yeah, thanks for the link. It was that was a good video, and it was cooking. Did you mention it's cooking lasagna with the dishwasher? Yeah, yes, I think I said yeah, or yeah. maybe I didn't. But yes, yeah. uh, not nothing to do with salmon, but uh, yeah, cooking lasagna with a dishwasher, which sounds even worse than cooking salmon. If that's yeah, possible. Let, let's say that, that there's un, unlikely to be any caramelization uh, or crunchy browning of which I really enjoy in my in my lasagna and other cheese baked items. Um, with the dishwasher. Uh, yeah, so um, another another piece of follow-up um, listeners show and, and uh, you know, infrequent follow-up provider to us and, and content uh, provider, uh, Coney, uh, um, sent us a message saying, uh, your discussion of eating raw Eggo waffles reminded me of a little backpacking cuisine trick I've seen done in scouts, youth camps. You might have, have varying opinions on the food safety of, more or less, it involves taking frozen sleeve of Eggo waffles or French toast or pancakes, packing them away, eating them on the first morning, the backpacking um, uh, hiking trip. You, of course, won't eat these raw, but it provides a pretty low involvement meal, which basically only dirties one pan used to heat up in a spatula if you eat the warm ones from your hands, uh, which is pretty great the first mm-hmm. morning of a trip. Uh, and and yeah, so um, certainly uh, I, I, I don't I think that there are any food safety issues related to that. And, and see, I think we both were um, fairly good with a um, uh, not risky with uh, consuming the, what was pointed out to us were not actually ego, raw ego, <laughs> but were um, unheated uh, or untoasted ego waffles uh, from front of the show, Elizabeth Andrews. Yeah, she says, are they really raw or just yeah. not reheated? Doesn't raw mean never cooked? And it's just like Elizabeth Andrews. True. She's retired. Now she's, awesome. she's a pet aunt, much like uh, also retired Mickey Parrish. Uh, they should get together and form their own podcast where they just critique our podcast. No, we, I want, I, I will be a guest on that podcast. Cause I love them dearly. I love no, both of them. Yeah. We, we agree. And of course, Elizabeth is of course, correct. Of course she's yes. correct. I mean, yeah. she wouldn't, she wouldn't have emailed us. She wouldn't have t- Twitter tweeted at us if uh, she wasn't uh, correct. And so she is correct, but, but yeah. And so also from uh, uh, William um, who also is known as uh, deep red seaweed, um, yes. who is from Truro, uh, uh, NS, which I believe yep. stands for Nova Scotia, which is not Newfoundland or Newfoundland, but is a no. different province, I think, in Canada, right? It's, it's new, right? Yeah, it's New Scotland. It's right in the name, <laughs> Nova Scotia. Um, he says, uh, Food Safety Talk uh, 245 mentions, mentions uh, Fred Small's Hot Frogs on the Loose. Uh, small world, but I had the joy of having Fred Small as a minister at a church growing up, during which he would both sing both that song and some of his other folk songs. So I'm so envious of uh, of uh, uh, deep red seaweed and uh, and and all of that. So yeah, and I think I think it's as a as a backpacking scouting tr- you know trick, uh, frozen waffles uh, in the backpack Friday night to eat first thing Saturday morning when everybody is slow and doesn't know what they're doing. Uh, 
fantastic hack, uh, uh, backpacking uh, hack. I think that's a, it's a, it's great and uh, very, very low risk. Yeah, right. right. I, I, absolutely. And, uh, and even uh, bring your uh, shell intact hard boiled eggs um, yes. in, in, as well. I think we did an episode on that. Yep. Um, um, okay. So yeah, one, then, one more yeah. bit of feedback. Yeah. Uh, and this is a uh, TikTok trend for and f- food safety for risky or not. And so uh, basically uh, Ellen uh, sends us a message uh, that says, uh, so, okay, and yeah, I, again, my internet is, 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 is flaky, but this is, did you watch this TikTok video? I did, yep. Yeah, so basically there's this, this thing called decanting, which is not the thing that you do for wine, but the idea is, that you, instead of storing foods in their original containers, you transfer them to, you know, glass uh, artisanal containers, containers, right? I mean, something fancy. Uh, And apparently it's all the, all the rage. We will try to link to the the TikTok on this. Um, And and Ellen writes, I can't see the value of it. And the only food I could imagine putting in containers might be flour to keep free of bug infestation. you know, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, it's not a food safety issue. I, I think it's a, it's kind of a, not a, it's not risky, but it's, it's, you know, I don't think it's of any real value. I mean, we, we will often, so we've used a lot of flour in this house and we will often transfer flour from the paper bags that it comes in into plastic containers yeah. just because it, it's better for storage. Now, what I will note is that over a long period of time, those, those, those plastic containers do, uh, pick up odors from the flower or they start to oxidize. And, and we've had to throw away some that we've had for many, many years. We've also tried sourcing glass containers, uh, but the problem is getting glass containers that are the right size is, is problematic. And so I, certainly I think it's, a, it's not a bad idea for flour. And I would say for flour too, you probably want to use a tinted container, although your flour is typically in your cabinet and it's not exposed to light, uh, but a brown glass container, much as you might have in a, a laboratory that, you know, used for storing uh, sodium hydroxide or something, a, a big wide mouth brown container would be, would be good for flour. But beyond, you know, the cutesy appeal, I just, I don't see any, it's not risky, but I don't really see any value. Yeah. And, and, but I, I guess the only thing that I'll highlight, and I think it, we, we've talked about this in the past as it relates to flower related recalls. Oh, yes. yes. Right. Yeah. So, so the, 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 we do this as well. So I'm, you know, again, this is one of these, like, we probably don't follow the best practice um, on, on, uh, on, on tracking where our flower comes from, knowing that, that flower increasingly has been linked to illness, raw flower consumption, increasingly linked to illnesses and outbreaks now, over the last, you know, five or so years, six years. Um, I, I can't tell you what lot we, um, my, my flower that is currently in our canister came from. I probably can't even really tell you what the brand was because the, whoever purchased the flower in my home, like I, I'm more of a store brand flower purchaser where, where uh, Danny, who does the baking mainly in our house um, is, is more, um, there are specific brands that she likes the flower from a performance standpoint point um, more. So, so I like, I can't, I don't even know what would even be in our canister. Now we don't consume a lot of raw flour, so I'm, I'm not super worried <laughs> about it, but 
if someone was going to make, you know, lick cake batter or brownie batter or, or consume raw, raw flour containing cookie dough, then um, knowing where, you know, transferring it out of those bags or knowing about law codes, that matters a little more. Yeah. So yeah, and what I've, what I've conditioned or, or, or asked Kristen to do, which she is, is doing is to cut the, the, the lot number information out of, out of the, the paper bag and See, then just yeah. stick it on the container, right? Yeah. With a piece of tape. And that, that's, that's probably a best practice anyway, even if, even if you, if you end up with flour, even if you're going to bake it, if you end up with flour, that's part of a recall best, you just, you know, return it to the store, or get, get credit. Although if it's not in the bag, I don't know how you would do that, but anyway, it's not that expensive. Right. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's not like, certainly, I mean, just coming back to the TikTok videos um it, it's certainly not that's probably not making anything unsafe it's certainly not making anything safer right. but it but yeah that's it, it's a weird it, yeah it's it but and and i i mean again i i i live um in a in a home with with someone who's a designer and who very much is is about artisanal uh, canisters um compared to bags that are torn and yeah. and the, the oh, aesthetics yeah. the aesthetics oh, of yeah. our pantry yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which which is fine like which is and in fact not even fine great i benefit from it in so many different ways so yeah, yeah. um uh, so we talked about waffle feedback um shredded pork fibromyalgia um there's a couple other things i put in here that I wanted to, um, well, okay. So a couple, a couple of like COVID things, because mm -hmm. we haven't spent much time on this, but there was um, you, you and I, um, in in some previous episodes, have talked about different things that people are doing from a surveillance standpoint, and how this may or may not help folks in the food industry. And uh, in last week's MMWR um, uh, morbidity and mortality Re weekly report. There was a really, um, I, I thought, good informational article um, about using wastewater surveillance in, in for um, understanding COVID nineteen in communities in going forward. Really, so so, yep. and and I want two things I wanted to highlight. One is, um, I think it's a friend of the show. It's certainly someone who follows me and follows you, and um, I follow on Twitter, but. Amy Kirby is the lead author um, on this. And Amy's um, in the Division of Foodborne, Waterborne, and Environmental Diseases at CDC. And so um, she's your lead author, and there's many other co-authors on this um, uh, on this paper, but it really lays out what CDC is doing, working with different water treatment, waste, sorry, wastewater treatment um, groups. And I, and I thought just did a good job saying, hey, this is a tool, but there are some limitations out there and you need to be able to have like, you know, understand what the population is, um, you know, and I'll, I'll read, um, you know, some, an example that they provided from Ohio, which I thought was really cool. Um, Ohio Wastewater Monitoring Network, a statewide network launched in June 2020, which is designed to provide early warning of increased SARS-CoV-2 infection in communities and continues to support and guide local and state public health actions 
to mitigate COVID-19. The network managed by the Ohio Department of Health is a collaboration between local, state, and federal agencies and academic institutions. Twice weekly, 24-hour composite wastewater samples are collected at the influence of 65 wastewater treatment plants, which serve nearly half the state's population and represent communities ranging in size from 3,300 to 655,000 persons. They're tested by six participating um, universities in a commercial laboratory, and it's analyzed within three to four days of collection. And I wanna highlight this because it's something that we talked about early on in the, in, in the um, pandemic that, that certainly there is a potential for um, uh, SARS-CoV-2 to be um, uh, isolated, the, the virus, to be isolated from um, stool samples, and that this is something that we should probably be looking for going forward in other outbreaks. Like, there's a lot of utility in doing this. And so it's not like there's, you know, there's no tables, there's no figures, not a lot of data is provided. But they, they you know, in this paper, it's the first one where I've seen, like, here is what we, the network of places that are doing this. And I think that there certainly, there's value, especially in the food industry, in large food manufacturing or food processing plants to, to think about how they would do this within their location or partnering explicitly with wastewater in their um, geographic vicinity to be able to, um, to utilize this. Because I think it, it can provide early warning in additional clusters going forward that this is something that is, uh, is applicable pre-symptomatic or asymptomatically um, as a tool in the toolbox going forward. So it was just one of those papers that caught my attention this week. Yeah, and you know, I wanna call out CDC for something that's really good about a lot of the things that they do on their website and I think in, in MMWR, and that is the little blue summary box. And yeah. I, I am always struck by just how incredibly helpful this is. And it typically, there's, there's three points. And the first one is what is already known about this topic, okay? And it's a couple of sentences which explains the context. It's the next one is so key. What is added by this report? And yes. again, it's just a couple of sentences that says, hey, this is why what we're saying here is important. And then, and then the last uh, bullet point, uh, which is again, a couple of sentences, what are the implications for public health practice? And, and, the, and the, the final uh, sentence in that, in that section is community level wastewater surveillance data can be leveraged for rapid assessment of emerging threats and preparedness for future pandemics. And it's just like, it's just really the, the discipline that, that I've seen in CDC and doing that is just, it's, it's just really nice. It just really, again, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those, you know, A plus communication things. It's not that much work to do. It's what, it's what highlights in journals should actually be doing, although I don't think a majority of people do highlights in journals correctly. Um, but that's a, that's a, that's a separate rant, but, but I mean, it's just, it's really nice. And I just want to, I want to call them out for, for, you know, whoever, whoever at CDC had the, the brilliant idea to start doing this. I think it's just a great idea. Yeah. I, I can't agree with you more. And I, I, I appreciate what, I mean, I've, I've talked about my love for MMWR for a long time, so much so that they sent me a mug, um, that, that is currently here on my desk. Um, but, but I, I, I just appreciate the clarity of which um, CDC puts the time in to communicate things. That that was a terrible sentence. They put time in to communicate things clearly, and and that they are 
it seems really obvious from the outside that this is something that is very much ongoing that they're revisiting all the time. How can we get better at telling people what we're doing? How can we get better at telling people what we want them to take out of what we're presenting? And that they don't wait. You know, this this paper, this MMWR report, like I said, doesn't have like, it's not like a lot of data here, but it is, it's important to share this for other people who are thinking about this what, what the utility is and looking at wastewater. Well, here is what we're, why we're doing it and, and where we see utility from CDC standpoint. Like it is, it's like a position paper and they would never say that, but, but it's like, there's guidance here that is very useful um, because there, there have got to be other public health agencies throughout the world that are looking at, we have limited number of resources. Should we be looking at wastewater? And, and it's like, yeah, well, maybe. And here's how we were, we're doing it in some cases. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it was good. So, I mean, shout out to, to Amy Kirby, who I don't know personally, but I know from the internet um, for and, and all of her colleagues and co-authors for putting together this great paper. Yeah. Um, I put another thing in from MMWR huh? and this it's quick yeah. epidemiological link COVID-19 outbreaks at the youth camp and men's conference, Illinois, June to July, 2021. So this past year, um, Don, uh, here's the things to take away from this. And it's in the blue, it's in the blue, in the blue. Uh, what's added by this report. Neither COVID-19 vaccination or COVID-19 testing was required before either event. Among 122 primary cases, 104, 85% were persons who were not fully vaccinated and only 18, just 15% were fully vaccinated persons. Eight of the 38 close contacts of the fully vaccinated person subsequently became infected with SARS-CoV-2. No vaccinated persons were hospitalized. Um, these, I, I think this is important. This, To me, this gets into, it's, a, it's an outbreak of, um, uh, you know, again, 122 cases linked to youth camp and a men's conference at a site. We there's a lot of food safety things that operate that happen at these youth cam at camps and conferences. So I'd look at it as being analogous. Um, what's protective vaccines and and then also integrating testing and screening either supplementally um, for all or certainly in lieu of vaccination requirements. Um, this hit me because um, our local school authority last night voted on something that is a little nebulous, but we're not sure exactly how it's going um, to pan out. But in lieu of mandating vac vaccine requirements for kids going to school or teachers, they are exploring um, ongoing surveillance uh, in schools of, it's not really unclear, but I it seems to be both a mix of students and staff going forward for those who are vaccinated and unvaccinated, because it's, again, yet another tool in the toolbox in these areas where food, where people have to take masks off to eat food, they are going to be close to each other. So, so at you know, now that we have the ability to do um, to, on top of vaccines to be able to do um, uh, testing, it, it it seems to be like these are things that we should all all be doing all the time. Um, the thing that I'll, I'll also add from this paper that I really liked, which is something that I'm saying that that I'm saying over and over again for any programming, any food related things that we're dealing with in extension, 
um, is this, and I will read explicitly from the blue box. The, this investigation underscores the impact of secondary SARS-CoV transmission during large events, they say such as camps and conferences, but when COVID-19 prevention strategies, including, and Don, here are the bullets that I want to say over and over again, vaccination, masking, physical distancing, and screening testing are not implemented. Those are the four things that I think we should be doing all the yep. time. Yep. And, and and here's the consequences if you don't do it. You yep. get, yeah. So yep. another so, good, yeah, good paper. Yeah. A cu couple of things. So first of all, I'm really pleased they're saying physical distancing instead yep. of social distancing, because I think physical distancing is the correct terminology. But I also, they mentioned masks. What I also want to say in the, in the, in the article towards the top, it says, uh, the list of suggested items to bring to camp did not include masks. And then later on, it says uh, the conference was held at different locations in the camp, blah, blah, blah. No COVID-19 COVID vaccination, SARS-CoV-2 testing or masking was required. Yep. So they're doing nothing right yep. here. Nothing. So, right. And so what happens if you do nothing right? It's uh, not you all. You get an outbreak. Yeah. It's not all places are going to have outbreaks, but this is like. I don't know what's maybe not frustrating, but is obvious to us in the world of food safety and infectious diseases and emerging public health issues is that, oh, here are the things that we know are our um, risk factors. Here are the things that you can do. See the list I just said that reduce yep. risk. Yep. If you decide to do none of those things. You're on your own. Right. Yep. Like, yep. And yep. not only that, now you're potentially even if you are vaccinated. OK, you can still transmit the infection. Yep. So. so so, you know, it'll protect you. But what what if you have, uh, you know, uh, well, let's see, what if you have elderly relatives who maybe are also fully vaccinated, but we know that the immunity wanes in them? What if you have kids under 12 who've not yet been vaccinated? Right. I mean, there's just all sorts of knock on effects here well, that are just problematic. And here's in this again, reading straight from this paper, eight of the 38 close contacts um, these were uh, individuals who were who were sick, became infected with SARS-CoV-2, so secondary cases. So we've got, like, we have just people that didn't even attend this camp got sick because of these, these right. issues. Right. That's the, like, uh, I don't know. That's, that's the why part. we keep having a pandemic, Ben. <laughs> yeah. That's the part that's really um, difficult in the maybe not difficult. I think it's easier for us to, to see and, and, and probably easier for us to communicate, but it's difficult for those to maybe who, who are only concerned about personal choice and freedoms to understand is that this, yes, like, okay, I get it that you can make a choice to be exposed. And yes, you can make a choice to be ill. No problem. We make personal risk decisions all the time. What's different here is you are now making a choice for your close contacts yep. on whether they should get sick or not. And honestly, the close contacts of your close contacts, the close contacts of Correct. those yep. close contacts, right? You're making a decision for all of those people. Yep. 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 And, and it's, we're at it. We continue to be at an impasse. Um, I, I will, I will say Don that I'm, I'm really, I'm going to, I'll, I'll talk about something and this uh, full, full disclosure. Um, because it, you know, this this conversation changes a little bit now that I'm a like officially an administrator at NC State University, right? Like I don't want to, but I, I I I have a couple of people who I know who are part of 
the testing and tracking of illnesses here at NC State. The, the, the there's been a lot of feedback to our um, upper administration about sharing of information. And but something I'm really happy about is being able to track vaccination rates and illnesses within our our um, our institution right now. So I sent you a link that we'll um, we'll link to in uh, in show notes. Right now, we've got 91% of faculty, 73% of staff, 73% of undergraduate students, and 82% of graduate students who have self-reported or been vaccinated on campus. So it's much higher than where we were a month and a half ago. Um, yeah, and 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 I'll I'll highlight that we're we're um, on campus doing around fifteen hundred to two thousand um, um, uh, tests a day for those who are either voluntarily um, or mandatorily enrolled in these programs because they're not vaccinated, and we're only like uh, yesterday, you know, it was a weekend, but we had one employee case and five student cases like we're we're seeing just a handful um going back over the last week we're you know less than 10 cases a day um uh, in our in our surveillance program and i think that's because we're seeing you know we've got much higher rates of vaccinate vaccination so not to say that there aren't asymptomatic individuals who are opting out of this testing um program that are not like that could be spreading the um, the illness uh, or the virus uh, amongst our communities, but I'm I'm I was less optimistic about where we would be here on September 22nd than where we where we are, actually are. So that's a it's a good thing. And again, no full disclosure of my like department head role, and and I I don't want this to be like a you know it, that's not really part of the for me the part of my my bias or conversation here it's like as somebody who's been tracking this i'm much more optimistic than i would have thought i would be right now so yeah it's good it is it's good it's good and that's with like tons like all classes or almost all classes in person and people in dorms and all the things so hopefully there's lots of precautions that are happening that are keeping those numbers where this isn't um yeah it, it, it is not blowing out of uh, into a, a public health crisis on campus or whatever. It's still a public health crisis. You know what I, you know what I'm saying? It's good. It's good that your university is doing a good job. That's, yeah, that's what's important. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. Trying to find. I'm trying to find where my, my university had been really good about putting this information somewhere where you could find it, and it's not. It's not there now. Um, like to get like stats, like what's the testing rate and what's the vaccination rate and stuff. And I can't, I can't easily find it. And of course I'm doing it on my phone right? because my Cause Safari you're... is still hosed. So anyway, all right, break it's fine. It's I'm sure we're doing fine too. We were, the, I, I'm still proudly say we're the first university in the country to mandate students be vaccinated yeah. and, uh, and that's uh, working out okay for us, I think. Well, yeah. And, and I, you know, I think our, our situation is we didn't, either have the ability or there's some, you know, like there's lots of reasons why people either couldn't or didn't want to mandate it. But now we're, I'm really happy that if we look at our student population, um, we're, we're in the, you know, eyeballing here, right under 80% of our students are vaccinated without the mandate. Um, so that's, that's um, good, right? Like it's not fantastic, but it's, but it's also not, not 50 or, or 18%. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. 
I, I think that was it that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, There's, no, I think that's a show, as they say. Yeah, well, Don, um, thank you again for um, letting me lead the discussion here on my <laughs> show, which is what I like to do. Um, and me, me being the, uh, you, you being, I don't know if you're the, which one you are, if, if I'm the straight man and you're the funny guy, um, whatever, whatever it is, uh, I like, I like, I like that we get to, we get to do this and yeah. So, uh, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>
I didn't actually know what the 21 And who's going to it? I'm going. No, no, besides you. <laughs> is it all is it all new department heads? No, I mean, no, it's it's like you get nominated. Oh, so cool. it's faculty, specialists, uh, county extension directors. Okay, so you're not doing this because of department head, you're doing this because well, cuz you're nominated. Right, right. And I think the like I was nominated before I was department head, but I think that right. there was it's even um, more important now. Yeah. Obviously. And there there was like a Hey, you might want to be a leader at some point. So, would you, <laughs> yes. you know, something in your there might be something in your future. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but it's been really good. Like, and I, I, I don't, I don't know if I told you about, it, but I like suspended my. I was I was skeptical, and I shared uh-huh. this with the organizers and with the rest of the group and with my with 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 folks here. I was like, yeah, I don't know, you know, I've been to these mm. things before. So, but what I did last time was, even though it was virtual, I was like, okay, I'm not doing anything else. This, like on these times, I will right. block out this week. I will, I will put myself into this right. and did it and got a lot out of it. So okay. I'll do it again. Yeah. And cool. it's, but this is what I remember we, how we got into my 34 things and your, your 34 things. The yes. Work. Right, right, right. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. With that, that cool uh, graph that I figured out. How right. Make. Yeah. Where, where I'm, where I'm high on woo and you're, you're less well. Did, did I ever tell you I've learned what woo is? On well, that? it's in the, it's in the, instructions right yeah but but, but I, th- I thought it was it is winning others over and i oh it said it stands for something it stands for something winning like, others over winning others over so i'm i'm high on, high on the woo winning others over that should, that should be uh that's a good thing that's a good show title yeah well it's too bad it's in the in, in the other part in this part but put it in there um cool all right so we're good we're yeah I'm, and it, it'll I'm, take me a bit um, to get the links, no problem. Um, because I've got to do something with gotta, my internet, and uh, and hopefully all I, all the links will resolve. If not, I've got I've been marking stuff with yellow. So cool. And I sent a bunch. I can go back into the uh, text yeah. channel. Yeah, and um, and I think I figured out how to do this stupid Apple News nonsense. Okay, good. Thank you. Because I I just gave up. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to just make a fake markdown link that's that will link to Apple.News. Okay, and I think I think the issue is that 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 is that is proprietary co- Apple content that because often it does, like the cutting and pasting didn't work because I don't think it, it I don't think it exists outside of Apple News. See, they they're owning the news now. The Washington Amazon Washington Post and now Tim yeah. Apple News. Tim Apple News, failing failing Apple News. I you know I'm I think I told you, I'm like a News Plus subscriber. Yeah, yeah. Because I get all the we, I like the magazines. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's I'm all reading, about your magazines. You I like the read, I like the mag- magazines. Fanzines. You read your magazines while you watch your shows. I do. I watch my watch my shows. I read my magazines. There's the, I, I like to read MacWorld. I'm I'm reading Mojo. Um, sometimes Women's Day. Happy Halloween. Yeah, it's a, the, we we read the mags. So, um, all right. Well, I will. Right. Uh, yeah, I'll talk to you later this week. All right. Well, uh, for do we have first or not? Okay. Maybe, I think. Uh, oh, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's next week. I think it might be next week because oh. I got I got a bunch of shows to post. Oh yeah, right, right. Because we just did one. Well, I'll get this one posted. Cool. I got time. Today is a good. Today's a good day of, of light on departmental meetings, uh, heavy on uh, transactional things that are uh, mosquito tasks. As uh, <laughs> oh yes, as one says yes. So uh, and this will be one of my mosquito tasks. Awesome. Cool. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.